Welcome to Podcast by Tech Nation. This is a series of podcasts focused specifically on the biomedical and HTM industry. New episodes are added monthly. Listening to each episode is eligible for one CE credit from the ACI. At the conclusion of this episode, you'll be able to access a link that will take you to a quick survey. You'll be able to download your certificate once you submit your survey. Before we begin today's podcast, I'd like to invite you to save the dates for our upcoming HTM mixers. We'll be in Milwaukee on July 14th and 15th and in Kansas City on September 9th and 10th. Please visit htmmixer.com for details, registration, and our steps to a safe and clean meeting environment. Podcast on Tech Nation would like to thank our sponsor, Metagate. Metagate's comprehensive and accurate device discovery capabilities combined with clinical contextual anomaly detection enables automated, rule-based, clinically driven security policies that keep clinical networks and patients safe. For more information, please visit Metagate.io. In this episode, we are joined by Jonathan Langer, CEO and co-founder of Metagate. Jonathan, you may begin whenever you are ready. Thank you very much. And thank you for everyone that has joined the podcast. Um, the topic that I will be covering today is the evolution of IOMT risk assessment. Now, the thing that the, I'd say the, the overarching principle that I'll be touching on today is basically how do we use contextual risk assessment for HDOs in a way that is actionable in reducing risk? We're gonna talk about several topics that relate to that. So in terms of agenda, we'll talk about how technology can drive risk management. I'll use that as an introduction to the topic in general. But then we'll, we're gonna dive into the risk management framework that we've built at Medigate, and hopefully that'll be uh, empower people to use that in their own HDOs in a customized way. We're gonna talk about HDO risk overview from an enterprise perspective and how to get a high level holistic view of risk uh, in an aggregated fashion. And then we're also going to introduce the concept of identity-based risk management. That's basically discerning between IOMT devices, IOT devices, and IT assets within the healthcare enterprise. Uh, so that's what we have in agenda today. And I'm gonna jump right into it uh, with the following. So first, uh, let's talk a little bit about how technology can drive risk management. If you are going to use a technology uh, for device discovery, regardless of the vendor uh, of your choice, that could certainly be helpful in order to get a foundational understanding of your device inventory and comprehensive network visibility in an HDO. It is possible to obtain an inventory manually and a lot of HDOs are still working that way. But if you, wanted, if you want to introduce some automation, technology can definitely drive that. Now, the tricky part is, and this is where I wanna spend most of our time today, is I wanna explain how you actually operationalize this ocean of information that can be, that can be obtained through the, through the visibility in order to actually achieve a risk management program that drives decision-making and ultimately increased patient safety and privacy. 
The thing is, and I'll, I'll keep mentioning this uh, throughout the podcast today, is making that data actionable, operationalizing that data so that we have a clear outcome in a fairly easy process in order to build that risk management framework. I will say that since we're talking about risk management today, it's also important to note the stakeholders. So when we talk about uh, risk management within the context of a healthcare delivery organization and the various assets uh, that you're, you're gonna find in such an environment, uh, certainly InfoSec uh, is going to be a, a partner here, a stakeholder, uh, and naturally clinical engineering as it relates to the biomed devices. IT, and we'll talk about IT more later, is also going to be a, a stakeholder, especially as it relates to risk mitigation of some of the devices. Uh, so I would definitely include them as a stakeholder as well. One side benefit of this discussion, by the way, that I do want to call out is that when we use technology in order to drive risk management, the side benefit as we identify the stakeholders is also bringing them closer together and finding a streamlined process uh, that actually fosters collaboration between the, between the various stakeholders. Uh, so uh, we'll talk about that more later in this discussion, uh, but I think it's a, it, is a, it is important and, a, and quite a significant byproduct of this entire discussion. Um, let's dive into the risk assessment process. So the risk assessment process in real high level I would, I would basically divide it into four parts. It's about discovering the inventory, correlating vulnerabilities against the, 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 the technical attributes of what you have in your inventory, making a risk assessment of the, the specific device, and then elevating the discussion to understand what the enterprise level risk looks like. So I wanna say a, a couple words or uh, to provide a little bit more detail about each one of the stages. Let's start with inventory. So when we talk about inventory, basically what I mean by that is that we need to discover and identify all the connected devices. And by the way, the devices that are not connected as well, especially as, as we're talking about IOMT devices with the most granular detail possible. And the reason why the detail is possible, uh, the, the granular detail is, uh, is highly important, is it because it relates to the correlation of vulnerabilities, which I'll speak about next. Inventory, as I said previously, that can be achieved manually, that can be achieved with, uh, with automation. Uh, as organizations scale, and we're seeing more and more devices uh, connected in the, the environment, it's probably going to be easier to do this in an automated fashion. Next stage of the risk assessment process is correlation of vulnerabilities. What does that mean? Every vulnerability that comes out there can exploit potentially a, some software or operating system that is installed on the device. So going back to the importance of granular detail uh, with regard to the devices that are, on the, that are part of your inventory, this is where it comes in real handy. And I'll give a couple of examples later on. So when we identify the technical attributes of the device itself, we can then correlate the relevant vulnerabilities that pertain to these specific technical um, attributes. That's the correlation stage. I'll go to the third stage, the assessment stage. 
what we're going to do here is on an individual level, on the device level, we're going to assess the risk of a specific device based on the correlation of vulnerabilities, but then also on the network posture, what the network looks like, what kind of compensating controls we have there. Um, and that's going to be that's going to factor in very nicely into the risk assessment and of course i'll provide more detail later one last thing within the assessment stage that i want to call out and this is highly important for hdos as far as i'm concerned is also to understand the clinical severity or the, the severity of the harm of the clinical assets at hand so what that means is that we have to understand the context of the device itself as it relates to patient safety and patient privacy. Every device is different in that regard, and I can't stress enough the importance of that context uh, for basically making decisions uh, that relate to these devices. Lastly, the last stage of the, the risk assessment process is what I call enterprise-level evaluation. This is where we take a step back or zoom out, basically, and say, we're not gonna look at a single medical device or single device on the network, but we're gonna look at a site. Maybe that can be a clinic, a hospital, or maybe we can even zoom out further and look at a healthcare system uh, in general. Now, once we're able to identify varying levels of risk throughout the entire enterprise, that is the way uh, that we're basically gonna come back and say, now we can make recommendations as to what type of action we need to take that will be most efficient and most effective. When we do that uh, on an enterprise level, the, the advantage of that is that we're seeing the entire picture. We're not just looking at a single device kind of randomly. Uh, we have a holistic broad picture and that just gives us better decision-making capacity, uh, which is why this is so important. So just to, just to replay that for everyone, four stages of the risk assessment process and then i'll go to examples we got our inventory stage we got our correlation stage we then have an assessment stage which is done on a single device level and then we'll do an enterprise level evaluation for the entire inventory now let's give an example let's say we have an infusion pump that's connected so we're going to see that on the inventory then based on the let's say the operating system Hey, let's say it's a, it's a Linux say, operating system version, this and that. We are going to correlate all the relevant vulnerabilities to that operating system or to other software that's installed on this infusion pump. Then we're going to do then the assessment of the single device a, on a, that is on the network. Now, rinse and repeat, we're going to do that for every device a, that we have on the network, biomed devices and non-biomed devices. And once we finish that process, we'll funnel up all the information, all the, all the single device risk assessment that we did in order to get that enterprise level evaluation. And that's where we'll be taking action when we have that entire picture. Now, I'm sure that many of you are listening to me and saying, okay, well, it's one thing to do this on a single device for, for one device or for one fleet of devices. How do we do this for everything on an end? on an ongoing uh, uh, basis, uh, this is really where uh, automation comes in handy. Uh, but I don't wanna spend a lot of time on tech today. I wanna talk about process, and this is basically the foundation of the process. 
So that's risk assessment in general, the framework. Now, what I want to do here is I want to I want to hone in on how we actually determine the risk of a single device, what we look at, what kind of considerations we have uh, that will enable you to say, hey, this infusion pump is a high risk and this other infusion pump is medium risk and this MRI is, is low and, 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 and you're good to go and there's no problem at all. So what we did at Medigate um, is the following. We looked at all the guidance uh, that is out there, the industry specific and the non-industry specific guidance that's out there. So to name a few, uh, Amy, NIST, uh, we looked at, at uh, Joint Commission publications, ECRI, FDA, we had a pretty wide look. And what we came back with is a pretty simple yet important uh, concept that is really the foundation of the risk assessment framework in general. And that is the notion of probability times severity. That's the basic uh, equation that we have here. The tricky part is, is how do we determine the probability of an incident and how do we determine the severity of a single device, the, the severity of harm if a, a device is, is impacted, but how do we do so within the context of an HDO where the clinical attributes play a big part? Again, we're trying to reduce patient safety and patient privacy concerns. So that's one aspect of this. And the other aspect is how do compensating controls come in as a means to decrease inherent device risk? That th those were th two key takeaways that we came back with. The other piece, and I wanna, I wanna double click on the severity for a second, is that there are definitely guidelines, especially as they pertain to FDA, ECRI, and, and the Joint Commission, that basically are able to analyze the clinical functionality and account for that to produce a context-aware impact of harm score. That is incredibly important. Probability, it's not, there are other uh, parameters that we look at. I'll go into that for a second, uh, in, a, in just a second here, uh, about the network itself, the compensating controls, but the severity of harm, in many ways, this relates directly to the clinical functionality of the device at hand, uh, and it is key to have a very good understanding uh, of what that device does. One more thing that I want to say about the, the concept of the, of the risk assessment in general is that what I've seen based on my experience talking to many healthcare uh, delivery organizations, providers out there, is that everyone does things a little bit differently. Everyone perceives risk and the various risk parameters, the weightings, a little bit different as well. And that's okay. That's understandable. That makes a ton of sense uh, because everyone accepts risks differently. Uh, so one key thing to remember uh, as we address uh, risk assessment frameworks is that they have to be customizable. I, I can't stress that enough. There is no one size fits all. Uh, that's a strong conclusion uh, that I've reached uh, throughout the last couple of years. So I wanna dive in uh, deeper. I wanna double click on that. So how do we determine probability uh, of an incident? The way that I look at probability of an incident, I, I wanna look at two key parameters. I wanna look at the inherent device vulnerability, and then I wanna look at the network. So when I talk about device vulnerability, what do I mean by that? First and foremost, 
we need to identify the operating system and the software that is installed on the device. It could be, a, as it relates to the operating system, it could be Windows, it could be Linux, it could be something else. Um, and we have to understand the exact version. Again, that's how we map vulnerabilities to this. Same thing with all the other software uh, that may be installed on a, on a device. It could be commercial off-the-shelf software. It could be other software. Once we have that, uh, it's not easy to get all that. And I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about a SBOM or Software Bill of Materials. I'm sure some of you have heard of that. Maybe a topic for a different podcast, uh, but certainly that can be very helpful uh, as we think about the future and how to obtain this data from the various uh, devices that are installed on our networks. But once we have that, we want to map out vulnerabilities to the, the software and the operating system uh, that we have at hand. Those vulnerabilities, they're going to come in with a, an attached score uh, their CVSS score uh, or other, other metrics that allow to understand the severity of these vulnerabilities. Uh, and that's a big key, uh, a big key thing, a key parameter that we need to look at. One other thing that we need to look at is whether the firmware that we have on the device is outdated or not. We can know that based on what the manufacturer has put out there in terms of versioning. Uh, more often than not, this is a uh, uh, information that not easy to get your hands on, but it is available. Uh, and also, I want to look at whether the, the manufacturer installed some sort of antivirus uh, or not on the device. That's definitely something that I want to I understand. So all of these parameters or subparameters constitute the device vulnerability. And that should be weighted. That's one aspect as it relates, again, to probability. The next thing that I want to look at is the network. Uh, we're talking about connected devices in an HDO. So what do I want to learn about the network? I want to learn about the connection type. Uh, it's easier to, to take advantage from an attacker's perspective of some connection types over others. So if I have a device that is serially connected uh, to the network and we still have some of those legacy devices uh, out there, or actually have a, have a lot of them uh, still, um, that's going to be harder to exploit, uh, harder to attack than something that's on Wi-Fi or, or Ethernet. Other thing that we want to take into consideration is the VLAN topology. So obviously, we're going to want unified VLANs, meaning medical devices specific as you can be, as you can be on specific VLANs uh, and not mixing them around with other devices. Uh, that would be, of course, a best practice. But it's not reality for many healthcare delivery organizations just because of the, the scale and the level of connectivity. But that is something that I want to look at. Obviously, the network is easier to exploit if we have a mixed medical and non-medical VLAN versus something that is unified. We want to see if, the, if there's internet communication uh, that is enabled through, uh, through the network. And we also want to see if there are any compensating controls on the network level itself. I don't want to get too deep here, but of course, if we have some sort, some form of network segmentation, whether it's SGTs or DACLs or firewall rules that are segmenting the network in, in some ways, this is where the, the discussion with the IT folks or the IT security folks can come in handy. Uh, that's definitely something that we want to take into account. All of these uh, things, they come back to, they roll up to or constitute the network uh, parameter. Network and device vulnerability parameters, that's how we determine 
probability. A, that's the way that we've done this at Medigate. Now we want to understand the severity of harm. So severity of harm, as I was underscoring previously, the main thing here that we want to do is we want to be able to take into account the clinical functionality of the device. A, this is key, again, to patient safety and patient privacy. So we want to look at several parameters here. We want to understand the, the FDA class type, one, two, or three. That's going to give us, a, would say, some sort of understanding as to how uh, invasive the device could be from a patient safety perspective. It's going to be a rule of thumb that we can use. We need to understand whether the device houses PHI or transmits PHI, yes or no. Uh, by the way, MDS2 forms can certainly be helpful here as it relates to these things. These are questions that exist on the MDS2 forms. So definitely you can look at that um, and th that, that can help inform these parameters. And then you also want to look at the equipment class and the consequence of failure. These are a, the Joint Commission parameters. Some of you may, may know this from, from the, the TJC literature. I would definitely look at that. That can inform, inform the, the severity of harm as well and the financial cost of the device. If you can get your hands on that data, that would be great. So we, when we look at all of these parameters, again, the FDA class type, PHI, yes or no, equipment class, consequence of failure, financial cost, we bundle all of that into the, param the parameter of severity. Now, severity and the probability together that's what's going to determine your risk. Uh, so I know that's a lot. Uh, that's a lot to, to take into account, but I think it's going to give you a, the best contextual understanding of a single device risk score uh, that you can come up with. As far as I'm concerned, that's going to be helpful, but what's going to be even more helpful is to get recommendations or to come back to the organization with recommendations as to how you can lower the risk score. And I think this opens up a really important conversation. As I was saying earlier, there are a couple stakeholders that may be relevant here. And I think this does open up kind of a joint conversation that I would recommend. So what can recommendations actually be? One recommendation can be a, basically a, a remediation or some sort of a patching that we might be able to do here. And when it comes to the biomed devices, I'm sure everyone in the podcast is aware that this requires the, the consent and the approval of the manufacturer. There has to be a certified uh, patch out there uh, or some approval to update uh, uh, the, the operating system from the medical device manufacturer. Uh, so we can, certainly, uh, we can certainly automate that or at least uh, show uh, what kind of uh, options are available out there. And what, what that will do is that once you're, once you're able to install that, that software version, that new, that new patch, basically the, some vulnerabilities that pertain to that patch will be remediated at that, at, that, at that stage. And the risk will be lowered, of course, because now we've lowered the inherent risk of the device. Remember, we talked about probability before. A, and this is gonna lower the probability. One other thing to look at, a, and it's not the topic of this presentation, so I'm not gonna go too deep into this, 
is various forms of segmentation. So there are a couple of options here uh, that you might want to consider, whether it's uh, blocking some of the unnecessary internet access, maybe changing uh, the VLAN topology, moving a device from one VLAN to another. A good example, you certainly don't want a, a medical device on, on the guest network. That, that's obviously something that we would want to refrain from. Uh, and deeper forms of enforcement uh, using DACLs, SGTs. Uh, we won't talk about that today, maybe a conversation for the future. Again, I, I do want to underscore this because I think it's highly important. This really goes to governance. So in this stage of the conversation, we're going to need clinical engineering. We're going to need information security. We're going to need IT in order to come back with a joint risk reduction activities uh, that are going to lower that uh, risk score uh, that we had talked about previously. So that's, again, just underscoring the, important of rec the importance of recommendations. Uh, I would definitely encourage that. Um, I want to come back to what we talked about previously in terms of enterprise-level evaluation, and I want to explain what that means. Up until now, or in, in, in the last couple minutes of uh, me speaking, we've really been talking about that foundational uh, risk assessment on a single device uh, that is connected to the network. But as I said previously, as part of the framework, we want all of that to funnel up into an enterprise-wide view. If we're able to do that with automation or without automation, doesn't matter for the purpose of this discussion, we're going to understand what the various risk contributors are, the various, what, what actually poses risk to my network. And it could be a bunch of devices that have outdated firmware. It could be specific vulnerabilities that are making, that have an adverse impact on the risk score. It could be outdated operating systems. It could be too much internet communication. It could be network topology uh, that is causing uh, the VLANs to be mixed up. It could be a, a multitude uh, of different things. But when we look at this from an enterprise-wide perspective, that's where we're gonna. Uh, that, that's where we're gonna be able to make better decisions based on the data that we're seeing. Uh, so again, the importance here. I, I do want to repeat this because it's important. Is that sometimes we get uh, pressure from leadership or from people, various people in the organization that would come back and say, "Hey, I saw this vulnerability in the newspaper. What are we doing about it?" It's a totally valid question, totally legitimate question, but. In order to be sure that we're not chasing our tails and going after the vulnerabilities that are not as important as others, if we look at this from an enterprise view, we're, gonna, we're probably gonna make the right decisions rather than doing this kind of randomly uh, based on the, the latest thing that, that hit the news. And unfortunately, there's a lot on the news these days. Uh, so so that's, that's the importance here. Now, when we, when we consider the activities the risk reduction activities that we can do. And again, it, it could be activities that are done by IT. It could be things that are done by information security. It could be things that are done by clinical engineering. Usually it's the, it's the three. When we do this again at the, at, at the enterprise layer, we have to take in, into account what's gonna get us the, the biggest impact, the biggest bang for our buck, so to speak, because this does cost money. Patching costs money, uh, network segmentation costs money, 
time, resources, these are all big efforts. So when we do the analysis of the various risk reduction uh, options that we have, you, you need to try to measure what risk reduction is going to look like per activity. Once we have that, we can determine clear priorities and an action plan that will reduce risk. And as far as I'm concerned, that's the biggest takeaway from the, um, uh, from the, the, the podcast today. If we're able to finish this enterprise level risk evaluation with a clear action plan that is quantified based on impact and cost, we're in great shape. The, at that point, the risk management uh, program has succeeded in doing its role. Not only has it informed leadership uh, of the, the level of risk that we have in various places of the enterprise, but we also have a clear plan moving forward. Uh, and I think that's just terrific. So that's, that would be a, an awesome outcome. Uh, so that's, that's what I wanted to emphasize today uh, about that. Um, next, I wanna double click uh, on, a, on, a, on a, a little bit of a different concept, but it relates to, to this overall risk management framework is when I look at an HDO, and we mentioned this before, we're gonna have multi-stakeholders in the organizations, in the organization because it, there are so many varying uh, assets. We're gonna have IT assets, we're gonna have IoT assets, and we're gonna have Biomed assets. And they all have different owners and different levels of risk and so on. How do we create a plan uh, that allows us to assess the risk and handle these devices uh, they're all housed in the same network. So I wanna take you a little bit deeper here into a concept uh, that, that, that I'm trying to advocate for because I think it makes a lot of sense in this mixed environment that I call identity-based risk management. And it's, there are several steps that I wanna walk you through. So the first step is identity-based asset management and tracking. So this maps to the inventory stage that we talked about previously, but with a little bit of a twist here, because now we're talking multi-stakeholder. We're talking about all the assets in the enterprise. So once you're able to, to really understand the identity of the device, you can also identify the device's security owner. Um, that's stored in various types of inventories, not just the biomed inventory, but if we're looking at an enterprise inventory, again, now we're taking a step up and looking at multi-stakeholders uh, within the enterprise and not just biomed. And we're also going to be able to understand the business context and the criticality of the device. Now what we can do is we can do tailored scanning and correlation. I think this is really important. A key discussion that I'm hearing in many HDOs is what can I scan using a vulnerability scanner and what can't I scan? So in many cases, and this is where the identity comes into play, you're gonna be able to scan some devices, let's say a security camera, IoT device, a computer, a mobile phone, so on, but you're not gonna be able to scan a biomed device because it's not safe. So this way, when we, once we have this concept of identity in play, we can inform our vulnerability scanner 
uh, or vulnerability management system, preferably using automation uh, so that we know that we're not making mistakes. And we're basically going to be able to tell it what can you scan and what can't you scan. But this is where we discern between IOMT, IOT, and IT. Different levels of risk, different business owners, different criticality, and different levels of sensitivity of the device itself. Uh, so that's a that's a big, I think, shift in the way that things are done today. Once we have, once we've done the scanning, and of course the the vulnerability correlation, we determine risk, just like we talked uh, before in detail. We're able to give you a clear enterprise contextual risk and exposure prioritization. But now we're talking not just biomed; we're talking about everything. We're talking about IT, IoT. Uh, the, the, the basically everything that is connected uh, to the HDO network. Uh, so this really gives you a broad approach. And now, just like we talked about earlier, we can assign for each type of device, how do we lower the risk? Whether it's remediation, whether it's risk mitigation, forms of segmentation, how do we do all that? And, and we're gonna try to do that in an automated or streamlined fashion as much as we can, especially as it relates to segmentation, which of course is hard to do manually at scale. So just touching upon that, I really wanna underscore that this concept that we call identity-based risk management, it's highly important because I believe that when we look at the various devices, various types of devices and the diversity of the devices within an HDO. And we're assigning multi-stakeholders to, to look at the overall risk management program. This framework allows us to include every type of device, every type of asset in the framework, but at the same time, treat different devices differently based on their risk based on their criticality, based on their business owner, and based on their sensitivity and whether they can be scanned or not. And I think that's important to note, again, because of this diversity. One thing, one last thing that I wanna, I wanna call out, because I think it is important, for those of you that are doing scanning or wanna check vulnerabilities for medical devices throughout PM, I think one other notable or preventive maintenance, of course, um, one thing that I would call out is if you're looking a, at utilization data, if you can get a hold of utilization data in order to give you a better understanding of where you should expect um, the device to actually be not used, the low utilization, maybe it's in the afternoon, maybe it's in the early morning, that would probably be better this, this is where you know where you can do preventive maintenance and scanning, uh, security scanning uh, of the device without disrupting uh, the clinical usage of the device itself. Uh, so that's definitely something that I kind of a, more of a, in a detailed fashion, but something that I would uh, uh, encourage uh, folks using as we move to these more advanced uh, frameworks out there. Um, so just a maybe quick recap of what we talked about here today. Uh, we talked about a tech-driven approach to risk management, basically how to leverage visibility uh, and automated discovery in order to, and, and operationalizing that data in order to obtain a risk management framework. 
We talked about the four stages of a risk management process being inventory, correlation, assessment, and enterprise level evaluation. We talked about the importance of an, of an holistic HDO risk overview, kind of elevating our view to the enterprise level uh, so that we can understand risk holistically and then prioritize an action plan in order to reduce risk across the enterprise in the way that is most effective and most efficient. And lastly, we talked about the notion of identity-based risk management as we're looking at diverse types of devices, thus allowing us to discern between IOMT, IoT, and IT assets uh, within the HDO. Uh, thank you, everyone uh, <laughs> that listened to the, to the entire podcast. Uh, I, I hope it was helpful for all those folks that are looking to bolster their risk management frameworks. Uh, and of course, uh, happy to help with anything that we can uh, for those of you that need help. Thank you very much uh, and have a good day.